Hey, stupid nerds, the download the uh, Boogie Monster with, with Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone. So you can find out uh, what happened to Frankenstein and the Wolfman and all that fictional stuff that never happened. And don't pay attention to World War II or the American flag or important things. The Boogie Monster. Podcasting the Unknown. Oh, man. As uh, Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20 would would tell Santana, Uh it's a hot one. 96 degrees. You don't remember? I remember they had a song called Smooth or something. But I don't. Was there a lyric in there called Hot? It's a hot one. Oh, right, right, right. I, uh, I felt stalked by that song when it was out. Like it was. Inescapable. Yeah. It's felt yeah, like the it, song I Always Feel Like Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. Mm-hmm. That song was written about Smooth <laughs> by Matchbox 20 and Santana. Huge hit. Multiple radio formats. Just, the, yeah. And I yeah. fucking hated the song yeah, I hated already. It and yeah. then it was like I could smell it on my clothes. Mm-hmm. The uh, first radio station I ever worked for in Athens, Georgia, WPUP, uh, the guy who hired me claimed that uh, in radio, you're probably familiar with the terminology of breaking a band, like to be the first radio station to really get behind a certain band or certain song. But uh, he claimed, my boss claimed to break Matchbox 20. We were the first rock radio station in America to play Matchbox 20 on a regular basis. I was part part of the problem. Get him on the gallows for that. Yeah. Yeah, Did I you? remember playing 3 a.m., played the shit out of that song. A few others They were just so – I was trying so hard to be punk rock, and they were just so inoffensive that mm-hmm. I was angry at them. But has there any been – like people that are self-aware come around? I think social media has given people the ability. Like Rob – like do, do you ever see the Always Sunny in Philadelphia <clears throat> where Rob Thomas, the singer of Matchbox 20, and Sinbad are in a loony bin with uh, – no. With, uh, I forget which character. <laughs> it was awesome because it's like, oh, man, you are actually a dude that's like, yeah, I was in this band. Now I'm going to break away and mm-hmm. do this wild shit. And then it's Sinbad who, Sinbad forever, dude. That's I'm in that camp. Sinbad forever. There was about a three-year period in my adolescence where oh my Sinbad was the funniest human being on the planet. I bet. If you go back to it, it would still be great. Mm-hmm. Then he started showing up on A Different World. That was a thrill. Like, oh, look, it's Sinbad on a sitcom. And as I look at it, uh, apparently he got the gig. Rob Thomas got the gig because he invited the Always Sunny gang to a concert, and they reciprocated with an offer to guest on a show. <laughs> and it's just he's part of some fever dream one of the guys is having. And like Sinbad and Rob. And that's where like, oh, wait a minute. These guys are all, might be pretty cool and have a sense of humor about themselves. Yeah. Like uh, who is it? Uh, what's the band on? Uh, what's the – oh, Papa Roach, Father Roach. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where they do the cut my life into pieces. But uh-huh. they like, th- that dude's on TikTok just watching everybody do their own silly versions of the song and having a good hmm. time with it. It's like, all right, you know what? It's like, that's, that's growing old gracefully. 
mm-hmm. especially if you were like a one-hit wonder or something. Like, that's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I respect anybody in entertainment who doesn't take themselves too seriously. That's a good quality to have. Yeah, I don't have uh, a lot of other examples of that, but it's nice. No. When, it's nice when you see someone <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to get out of this character and be and be a silly dude. Yeah. I went, uh, speaking of rock and roll music, I went out last night, saw me some, uh, some face-to-face. Okay. Them? I've Remember seen face-to-face. Face? I uh, saw them way back in the day. Seen them a bunch, and they, uh, mm-hmm. they have, uh, I don't know how many original members. They have the one bass player, who's not the original, original bass player, but he's actually the brother of a dude that's in Foo Fighters, Shiflet. Okay, yeah. And, Is that, uh, I think that's the same guy that has a good, uh, I think he's the same Foo Fighter that has a great country music podcast called Walk in the Floor. Really? Mm-hmm. Look at this, look at this world we're in, man. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's all, it's all connected, man. Mm-hmm. What if, what if the, what if the yarn going from, uh, push pin to push pin on the conspiracy board is just how many good times are, know each other? <laughs> how many, how many fun things are friends? I, uh... So they were there, the Bronx, which I stand by, mm-hmm. saying that that is one. I'm sure there's more, but man, one of the truly great rock and roll bands. Yeah, I like them, and you turned me on to their uh, side project. I, I wasn't oh, aware of that. Yeah, Mariachi El Bronx, sincere, mm-hmm. sincere Mariachi band. They're from yeah. L.A. That, as soon as I heard they were from L.A., and they're like, yeah, fuck it, we're called the Bronx. I'm like, that's <laughs> hilarious. And that dude knows how to... It's. I went to the show, and I forget the the first band was this band called Pet Needs. They're uh, from England, and they were fine. They were a little bit too amicable. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I, I as much as like music is like it should be in, like inclusive and make everybody feel good. It was a little bit too sunny for me. Which okay for the opening band, mm-hmm. they got the crowd going. That's I mean that's yeah. For an opening band that nobody really knew, they got everybody up and running with good positive energy, and that's a good thing. But it's almost like when an MC for a comedy show is just too jovial, too cutesy, cutesy. I you're could... like, "How are you doing?" And that's great. Oh, that and, you know, and it's like, and that's actually a good thing. Me personally, mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, where's the dirt? Yeah, where's the? Come on, you're in a rock and roll band. Mm-hmm. And then the lineup, because then I thought face to face would be next, but it was the Bronx. And they had the bass player from the first band had to go was playing for the Bronx, which was weird. Mm-hmm. Like like they ha- that happened the day before. So this dude in the first band just learned all the Bronx's set list to be. Oh, he's just filling in for somebody who. Yeah, and I don't know what minute. happened there. Yeah, but mm. they uh, man, what a show! They I always hear make- stories about that about musicians filling in last minute and. Like, oh, we, we gave him the CD, had to learn all 14 songs in two days. Like, that blows my yeah. mind, how you could just learn completely new songs in the matter of days, and then, okay, I got it. Yeah, I mean, it's, or it's like, here's the set list, and we here's the easiest songs for you to learn that we all are rehearsed for, but mm-hmm. I thought it was still, I thought it was awesome, like, good good job on that fella, filling in. But the Bronx, I mean, the guy just goes out and gets a long mic cable and he just goes out in the crowd, gets the whole crowd doing a circle pit around him while he's singing. And just <laughs> nice. a little little bald dude with swagger. <laughs> this guy, this guy, he's like kind of cocky, you know? 
Sounds like no, somebody yeah. else I know. Yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's where it is. Maybe that's where I get it from. I like. I I was watching. I'm like, I like this guy. This guy's got a little attitude. Uh, and then face to face came out, and uh, I just look like I'm in face to face now. They're just just ch- chubby middle aged dudes with gray beards going like, uh, man. Yeah, we wrote like five new albums, but you fuckers want to hear disconnected, right? All right, here you go. And I was. I got in the pit for that one. I couldn't. I, I had some tequila in me at that point. I'm like, I'm going down there, and it was fun. It wasn't like some fist throwing kind of pit. It was. It mm-hmm. was the good. Everybody kept their arms below shoulder level and just pushed each other around. And I had a good old okay. time. <clears throat> Probably not the most responsible thing to do during COVID. Oh, I, got, I got a booster yeah, shot today COVID. because. <laughs> oh like, yeah. Well, maybe I can time travel <laughs> with this booster shot. <laughs> oh man. That's funny. Well, face to face, were they part of that uh, New York City hardcore scene? Is that where they're from? No, face to face is Southern California. Okay, like they were more what? in with like your Pennywise. They were Fat Records, like Pennywise, okay. Strung Out, Good Riddance. Okay, they were a little bit more melodical, melodic, yeah. melodical. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, but yeah, they were great. And then the headliner was uh, this fellow named Frank Turner. And it was like I could tell, like, and that everybody was hyped and it was good, but it was the same thing. They just felt a little too. It felt like kind of Sesame Streetish. Oh yeah, it was a little bit too much. Like, it was too cheerful. Hmm. And it's that's again, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's not my thing. Yeah. And it was already. I had flown yesterday. I didn't get a lot of sleep, so I was like, ah, I gotta get out of here. It was one of those, hey, you guys all look like you're having a great time. Keep keep it up. Keep up the good work, everybody. I'm going to take off. Good for you, though, for getting out of the house on a travel day. You've already flown. You <clears throat> land and then go back out. It happened last week, too. Well, yeah. these bands are playing. I'm like, I don't know how yeah. many times I'm going to have a chance to see these guys again. Yeah. And, where, and because of traveling, you know, what mm-hmm. lines up with what last week the slackers played on sunday night so i got in i'm like i'm gonna take a nap i'm gonna go see the slackers good for um, you man yeah but that's uh that I'm was going that to the show friday i'm gonna go Who see, you gonna go see? You. you're probably gonna laugh it's uh i'm very I'm, excited i, wanna, to I see know it. i want to guess now i want to guess at what i might laugh at okay I think um, you've I think you've laughed at this band before. It's an iconic band, and it's their front man doing kind of a weird solo thing. Leanne Rhymes. <laughs> no, it don't. <laughs> it's not. It's not Leanne Rhymes. It's uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, iconic band with a front man doing a weird thing. Chris uh, Gaines. Are you going to go see Garth Brooks? Chris <laughs> I'm going to go see Garth Brooks. I, to, hey, uh, shout out to that. Shout out to Garth Brooks being the biggest country star and be like. Yeah, I'm going to do some weird shit. Like doing yeah. weird shit at the top of your game when you don't <laughs> need more fans, when you're like, actually, I can lose some of these people. I'm trying to lose. I got too many assholes into my stuff right now. I'm going to get weird. But did he get weird? Like, I don't know. Or, or I think it was, I would have respected it if somebody like that did something truly eclectic and weird, but it was just different and it was weird because he. Had an alter ego and he, he went put on goth. a wig. <laughs> it's like when somebody, it's like when you're too chicken shit to break up with somebody, so you start just acting like a dickhead in the relationship and see if they'll see if they'll. <laughs> see if they'll oh man, uh, I'm gonna go see Les Claypool of Primus okay. do weird uh, uh, jazz. 
It's, it's called uh, Les Claypool's Bastard Jazz. I mean, it's and, not like it's not like Primus was this four four time. Yeah, exactly. Beatles influenced rock band. I mean, yeah, yeah, they were pretty weird. They yeah. are pretty weird. They're they're still touring, but uh, all right. Let's yeah. play pool doing some jazz. Yeah, I've always been a huge Primus guy, and uh, most of his side projects I like. There's a few. I mean, he's one of those dudes that probably has really. I don't know for a fact, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's there's ten different projects that he's recorded throughout his career. I mean, he had a band called Sausage, and he's got the Les Claypool uh, Flying Frog Brigade. Then he did something with the. Uh, I think it was Julian Lennon, one of the Lennon, one of John Lennon's sons. But, uh, yeah, this is just uh, him. and It's not solo in the fact that it's just him. It's just a side project. I mean, he's got different players with him. But uh, I sampled a little of it on YouTube and it uh, sounded pretty good. Not, the, the, not so much jazz. I think that might be a little marketing or whatever. I mean, it was yeah. jazzy, but it was definitely... If, Definitely if you don't know playable. how to categorize it, you can call it jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, go see. Uh, I've never been to the uh, Ford Theater over here. Uh, the, One guy swallows a kazoo and another guy farts into a bucket. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Yeah. I love getting out and seeing some light. Well, as long as it's not too loud. I told you about going to see Southern Culture on the Skids and we had to leave because it was too loud. Officially old. I did the same thing last night. I was looking for earplugs before I left the house. I'm like, maybe it won't be that bad. And then the first band started. I was like, I got to I gotta get some toilet paper in my ears. <laughs> and then the Bronx were playing, but the sound wasn't real good. So I took the toilet paper out. And then I was just in the pit for like, it, it, it started off to, trying to be such a responsible, like, I'm going to stay up on the balcony. I'm just going to have some drinks. I got my toilet paper on my ears. And I'm just sweating with people. We're screaming in each other's mouths. I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> What Did you, you go by do? yourself? Yeah, well, I asked Rachel out of being polite, but I'm like, I'll be yeah. honest, you, you, you're not going <laughs> to like any of this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to, I had to prove to Katie that this was not, in fact, Primus. I was like, it's the guy from because she's whenever I play Primus, she's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Primus, <laughs> and I get is it. It's not for everybody. To, uh, yeah, but like, I was like, when, I promise you, it's not his regular band. I showed her a little sample. She's like, all right, I'll, I'll go see that. What do you do when you listen to Primus? What do you mean? Like I, I think about like, oh, this is a good band to drive around to, and mm-hmm. this is what I want to like listen to. Um, maybe exercising, or this is a band like, oh, I'll fall asleep, listen to this on a plane or something. What goes with Primus? <laughs> Everything. Really? I, I listen to them all the time. Yeah, great driving music. Well, one thing that definitely goes with them most of the time, unless I'm driving, is is, is weed. So they're they're one of those great yeah. just cliche get stoned and listen to bands. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, were you ever a so Faith No More guy? Oh yeah, yeah. They were Faith. big influence early on. That um, what's the record? This is it or uh, what's the name of that uh, one? That big oh, breakout record that had the uh, epic on it. epic on it. I don't know what the uh-huh. name of that album was. Yeah. But yeah, that was uh, Mike Patton's me, like one of those guys that just does yeah. a bunch of crazy stuff and. When I first learned of them was kind of at the Red Hot Chili Peppers height. Well, not at their height, but it was right when they were popping off. And I hated the Chili Peppers. And I was like, oh, this is if the Chili Peppers were good. Because it still kind of had that little bit of that funk, heavy bass stuff. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, to me, to me, Faith No More was always just like the legit Chili Peppers. Hard Times had a great 
headline about like man experiencing Mandela effect swears there was a good Red Hot Chili Peppers record. <laughs> <laughs> then what? Mother's Milk was a good album. I don't care. I don't care what yeah. anybody says. Mother's Milk was a good album. Mostly because yeah. it, it was before mm-hmm. the Blood Sugar Sex Magic one came out. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I thought, like, oh man, this is a cool. These guys are cool and they're weird. Uh-huh. And then everybody liked them, and I'm like, "Well, now I can't like them because everybody likes them." I was that my kind mom. Of dick, I was that kind of dickhead. <laughs> my mom made me toss Mother's Milk in the trash. What well, had a yeah, it had a naked lady on the cover. So, it's, like, it's come on, it's art. I could see that one not going well with the with the with the parents. That and Beastie Boys because that just sounds dirty. <laughs> Made me smash my license to Ilkaset because Beastie Boys sounds dirty. Making you smash them, though. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, made me go out in the driveway and smash it with a hammer. I was like, yeah, like, what the fuck? This is a little personal, no? That's cold-blooded. No. That's kind of cold-blooded, man. <laughs> I, like a Mrs. Stone, cold-blooded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was not putting up with it. Oh, oh man. What's your, what's your <laughs> life like right now, Dave? How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Oh, are you dude. well? Are you well as an individual? I'm I'm very well. I could be doing better uh, because my neighbor last night, unbeknownst to me, at four in the morning, uh, chased off some catalytic converter thieves with a bat, and he smashed their window. Nice, like, good job. And I was like, dude, you got to text. You got to call uh, me next time. <laughs> that's why I was like, wait a minute, you could be doing better because you could have gotten in a fight last yeah, night. You yeah, didn't. I, I wanted to help my neighbor. How dare you? Fuck off. Man, you know I live for this shit. I do. Like, dude, come on. And, and, and it's in, a new in neighborhood. The garage, it's in like, your garage? Uh, no, at, right in front of our building on the street. Yeah, street parking. Um, that is a hot but, ticket item right now. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, he, he chased He said it was three uh, Persian teenagers is how he described them. <laughs> and... Uh, he he chased them off, and they hopped in in their car. And while they were all getting in, he went and smashed the driver's side window with the, with his yeah. baseball bat. And he's like, hey, "Yeah, and uh, yeah, oh man, there's so much fucking crime here." But it made me do a little research. Uh, I knew that catalytic converter theft was a big thing. It was really big when we lived in Long Beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grabbing those things all the time. But I just did a quick little uh, research as far as like what you can do to kind of protect yourself. A lot of people are getting up under there and uh, etching either their license plate or their VIN number directly into the metal of the catalytic converter. That way, A, it might be a deterrent. If they crawl under there and the thieves crawl under there and see it, maybe they won't grab it. And even if they do, they have a hard time selling it to someone because they're like, hey, asshole. this, this This is my question. Who's mm-hmm. out there just buying catalytic converters, acting like, uh, "Oh, these were all uh, these were all acquired through honest means"? I'm sure. I don't know enough about it, but it wouldn't surprise me if some of the aftermarket industry, in terms of like used cars and stuff, I'm sure a lot of that sleazy shit goes on. Yeah, like I think they're. Parts. I think they're just gonna. Yeah, there's a market for them. Mm-hmm. Go out so, on the street and boast another satin. Uh, sorry, Sopranos. I, been, I texted you last night. I was like, David Lee Ross in the Sopranos. Yes, I thought you knew that, or I would have told you already. Wow. <laughs> All right, Diamond Dave showing up. Good to yeah. see you. I used to be able to write off condoms. <laughs> that, was, that was his own line. And, you, and I don't know when you saw it last, but you're delivering it perfectly. <laughs> that was exactly how he said it. 
a lot of cameos either in that scene or, or they have a few scenes where they're doing that poker game. But uh, Frank Sinatra Jr., Brillstein, Bernie Brillstein, Lawrence Taylor, uh, greatest defensive NFL player that ever lived. Um, yeah. Oh, that's, uh, that's who was in that? Was that yeah, was big that black the, guy. That was the big black guy? Yeah, literally the best defensive football player who ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, he was just really? insane. Yeah, this guy was insane. Didn't so mean a stereotype with when you're talking about <laughs> defensive linemen. Wait, the big black yeah. guy? Yeah, I didn't think it was the <laughs> the, the uh, old Italian guy that's five <laughs> foot four. A little chubby and just as guy. wide. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't stereotyping. If you saw the scene, it's it either David Lee Roth, one of the six Italian guys, or the big black guy. I'm going to go with the big black guy being the guy who was in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Jump up my ass if you got to, everybody, but that's how I deduced. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude. Um what was I talking about? Oh yeah, catalytic converter. So you can either uh get up under there and I tried to do that to mine today, but I I need to get a jack. I couldn't squeeze in. I'm a little a little yeah. girthier than average mechanic. Uh, that so two-inch lift isn't, isn't <laughs> enough for old Dave to get under there. <laughs> Going to have to get a four-inch lift. Um, but you can either etch your VIN or a uh, uh, license plate on there. An- another thing you can do is just simply paint it. Just paint it a whatever color um, because apparently that makes it hard for them to sell aftermarket. So Maybe I'll just get up there and paint it. I ju- yeah, I just don't understand. Like, I just think if, if it's aftermarket, it's like people like – if a tweaker's rolling up with copper wiring, you're not like, oh, where did you get this from? You're like, hell yeah, let me also make money. Like, they're just part of also the criminal aspect. Yeah. I mean, pawn shops, a lot, I'm not not painting them all with the same brush, but a lot of pawn dealers just buy whatever, knowing that it's probably stolen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see who buys catalytic converters. Who Apparently there's like pr- precious metals inside of it, too. There's some Oh, yeah, that's part why of the they... Yeah, the filtration system or whatever. There's all these weird precious metals. So, average scrap value of a catalytic converter is between three hundred and fifteen hundred dollars. Jesus Christ! So yeah, there you go. All right, these people. Okay, maybe the, maybe there are a lot of honest. Uh, okay, and there's a law in Oregon that says uh, Oregon scrapyards and vehicle dismantlers are adjusting to a new law that puts them on the hook for buying stole, stolen catalytic converters. All right, mm-hmm. maybe. Wild. <clears throat> yeah, just like uh, the Sopranos crew was doing with uh, airbags. They would hey, no steal, spoilers, steal, dude. No spoilers, steal airbags. I'm not, I'm not at that point yet. <laughs> Haven't made it up to that point yet. Oh, man. It's so good. I, it's about time for me to start rewatching it. I'm kind of... I think I over-binged. Mm-hmm. I think I binged, and now, I need, uh, now I'm purging. You were like, talking right. about how funny it was, like unintentionally funny. It is so funny. I, and I don't know what's unintentional and what's intentional, but now, like when you first watch it, it's very much a compelling mafia drama. But after you've seen it a few times, you start picking up on some of the nuance and some of the comedic timing of the of the actors. And like, man, there's so much funny shit. <laughs> That's, I don't, does, okay, like, uh, what, uh, Paulie, the guy who just passed away, mm-hmm. which, yeah. you know, he's a, a cartoon, but he's yeah, not. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. then if you have kids that watch that stuff, mm-hmm. 
Like, I know people that are like that in real life. Mm -hmm. But then it gets turned up for a TV show, and then somebody who's already going to be kind of like that, do they turn it up more? Because of seeing the way it's represented. Like, oh, everybody likes the way Italians are mm-hmm. represented. I'm going to be that guy. Yeah. Well, you know, he was legit. He was really a connected yeah. dude back in the day. And then he went to prison and got out and started acting. Oh, speaking of which, Paul Sorvino died today, too, of uh, Goodfellas yeah. fame. That sucks. So it's crazy. Uh, in, like, just, what, a couple months, we've had Paul Sorvino, Tony Sirico. I think that's I think how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. Uh Ray Liotta, and then uh, James Caan. All these mafia actors. I mean, everybody's old as shit. Yeah. Like, I, I wonder if there's an era when we were 16 and all of a sudden, like, oh, Lawrence Olivier died right after George C. Scott. I'm like, who gives a <laughs> fuck? They're all old. <laughs> and now it's just like, oh, wait, no. I remember seeing these guys in movies and they weren't oh. old. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's well, it's like, uh, was it Farrah Fawcett who her death got completely overshadowed because she died the same day that Michael Jackson died? Oh, yeah. Michael Jackson. My dad died the same day Vinnie Paul of Pantera fame died. So they'll always have that connection. It's the only connection they'll have. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to forget that your dad died? Because you're like, oh, man, Vinnie Paul, RIP, dude. <laughs> it was crazy because my dad loved Far Beyond Driven. <laughs> Guys, I don't want to admit this. My dad was Vinnie Paul. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> Dave's dad was and, a Pantera? <laughs> and not too unbelievable based on our appearances. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if the math works, but they definitely look like what, they have the same genes. Was that uh, Dimebag's brother? Yeah, they were real brothers. Dimebag Paul? These <laughs> 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 are my sons, Vincent and Dimebag. Uh, not a lot of hope for Dimebag. Vincent, we thought, might at least gotten a, an associate's degree, but Dimebag, uh, we did not set him up for success. <laughs> Eight Ball's not here right now. He's with his friends, or else you could meet all my sons. Oh, jeez. You hear about the Pantera News, speaking of which, they're they're reuniting, kind of. They're going to... Oh, uh, what's what is, his fuck? That, Phil Anselmo just... Phil and Rex Nazi, are getting together. Nazi saluting around the stage <laughs> by himself. Uh, Zach Wild is going to uh, play the part of Dimebag. Uh, I have heard my my Aussie buddy, fame and Black Label Society. Yeah, my buddy said Black Label Society shows are pretty great. I know nothing about them, but it's like he said, biker like, metal. Go see him. Yeah, but he said that I like them. Good shows. I'm like all right, good stuff. Yeah, his. His guitar stuff is, I mean, just his tone is just insane. Like, big guitar. A good, yeah, a good show, regardless of genre, a good show. Like, be like, okay, I'm impressed. I'm never going to listen to you again. But hell, this was, a, this was a wild show. I met Black, uh, not Black, <laughs> Zach Wild. Um, back, I told you about doing that Fozzie documentary back in like the year 2000. Yeah. They did they did this mockumentary, which now I realize I didn't notice it at the time. Blatant Spinal Tap ripoff, and I, they probably even would have admitted that. 
Yeah. But uh, just the whole tone and style of the little documentary was just like, oh, you're just doing metal spinal tap. That's kind of redundant, <laughs> but modern yeah. metal uh, spinal tap. But yeah, uh, he was in that, and I got to hang out with him one day. And uh, nice dude. Not not the best personality, but uh, cordial enough. Not not much of a talker. Zach Wild. Yeah. Well, met D. Snyder that day too. He was in that. Uh, I saw somebody wrote online where it's like, you know, like it's, it's funny what people get pissed off about which musicians, like people getting mad at Rage Against the Machine. Like, oh, they're just a bunch of fucking socialists. Like, <laughs> did you not listen to any of their lyrics from day one? Yeah. Yeah. No shit. From day one. But somebody said about D. Snyder. Somebody's like, oh, so disappointing. This guy wrote the anthem. We're not going to take it. And he's just woke liberal. It's like. Like standing for the, like the the liberals, it's like oh yeah, the guy with the feather boa and all the makeup <laughs> standing up for <laughs> gay, gay and trans rights. What would have given the idea he agreed with them more? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, what else going on? Oh, dude, I made. Some killer tomato sauce the other day. Oh, we're getting to the food early. All right, let's yeah, talk about dude. it. Yeah, dude. Just, just made just tomato sauce. So- tomato sauce. Gravy. Dave, do you mean gravy? Yeah, good gravy today. Good gravy? It's good gravy. Macaroni and gravy. Uh, dude, so good. So simple. So good. Just get you some good tomato. Good canned tomatoes. I use the San Marzano uh, just because I think they come directly from Italy, or at least. <laughs> Is it only label. because of the name? Yeah, yeah. So like, these got to be good. Uh, Fragile must be Italian. <laughs> must, must be Italian. <laughs> now I'm not going to give the recipe right now. I'm just uh, oh, All it's right. just so good. Just so you just enjoyed a I, meal. Just <laughs> fucking yeah, you shocking, did. shocking. Fucking yeah, Dave, you did, Dave prepared and ate and enjoyed a meal. But you've uh, you've admitted when you beefed something. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they're not all hits. It was hard for you to do. I remember that episode. Mm-hmm. It was hard for you yeah, to open up about ribs. that. But yeah. we, we're here for you. Yeah, but no, I had a, it was, this was a success. It was a good time. Just, Congratulations. Uh, mm, mm, good times, buddy. Anything else going on? What you do? How was Louisville? It was good, man. Shows were fun. Yeah. Worked with my buddy Alex Price was great. Uh, mm-hmm. MC was named Amber Autry from Nashville. She, Nashville. She was fucking fantastic. Like, oh yeah, you know when somebody's an MC, but you're like, oh, you are doing, mm-hmm. a, you are, have the magic, and you're just doing a regular good set. Yeah, but got people that. on your side right away. Mm-hmm. So, actually, I love I when you can for, tell I put who's in for her to, funny. Yeah, I put in for her to MC for us when we're in Nashville. Nice, right on, yeah. man. That was she fun. was great. Uh, Alex was great. It was a pretty mellow weekend. I, I you know, I, these weekends, I just, I get down there, fly in the red eye, kind of just hang out, sleep all Thursday because I flew all night, do the show Thursday. Mm-hmm. Maybe I get out a little bit Friday or Saturday, but mm-hmm. saw Ryan Singer though, our buddy Ryan Singer. Yeah, he was, he was in kicking Louisville. around. He yeah. was there. Uncle Lair was over at uh, Comedy Caravan. If I could have snuck Jeez. out and had the same time, I would have, I would have still seen an Uncle Lair set. You bet your ass. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go see Uncle Lair. I think I have yeah. seen him. I think I saw him at the Punchline Atlanta years ago before well, I even well, started comedy. One of the last old school dudes that mm-hmm. I know still out there doing it that I would uh, want to go see. Yeah. And uh, Singer, I, Singer, you know, okay, we've had Ryan Singer on the show. For those mm-hmm. that don't know, Brian Singer has acquired many paranormal experiences. 
Yes. Uh, he's, he's been out there. He's been in there. He's been around it. And, uh, but he, he was telling me about one of the things. He's got a special coming out soon mm-hmm. that he filmed. And it's like a two-part thing because one of it's a comedy special, but he, but he taped it in a haunted school, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Filmed it in, in a haunted school. Mm-hmm. And then the other special is like them exploring the paranormal stuff that happens at school. Mm-hmm. But his attitude was that like everything's connected, like aliens, extraterrestrials are also connected to ghosts. Like that's all the same energy out there. Like it's just, oh, these are just other dimensional elements. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking about how he was using the spirit box and stuff like that. But yeah, asking, use, asking if there, yeah, but he's asking if there's aliens out there. Like, yeah, oh, here's he getting just, any, any response. I mean, he said he did, and I don't want to huh. spoil whatever he yeah. got for the, for the show, but yeah, I'm like, oh, I just like the concept. I, uh, you know, if I figure for all this stuff we've talked about, we haven't really talked about, the concept of like these devices, even though they, you know, some of them seem like, you know, they're, they're like gimmicky or novelty items mm-hmm. to a lot of people that, like, oh, you, you think mean you're the, talking the equipment, the, yeah, the ghost hunting like, equipment? Uh huh. Yeah, I think it's glorified garage clickers and shit. But, like, oh, yeah, what if you're asking aliens to communicate because it's just a, it's a dimensional communication device, not necessarily mm-hmm. for ghosts, but just for like, like a, almost like a stud finder like i can't i can't see what's in there but this can you yeah. know yeah no matter what it is like it's all the stuff is just on the other side of the drywall not just a ghost mm-hmm. yeah okay and i was like oh man all right okay I, I, this is an interesting concept yeah that that overall umbrella of a topic of just multiple dimensions or other dimensions like that's always been fascinating to me because mm-hmm. I feel like our human brains are kind of programmed to just think kind of like, I don't know if linear is the correct term, but just things have to kind of be moved from point A to point B. And sometimes it just feels like, oh, this is, yeah. there's other dimensions that just don't make sense. Like, like it doesn't necessarily have to be a different planet or, or something, you know, from outer space. It could be something. Yeah. Just a parallel universe that's just in a, a, a neighboring dimension. I was, uh, yeah, that, that was the one of the original thoughts when we thought this was going to be a linear podcast. <laughs> was about, <laughs> but was about like, yeah, we don't know all we, all the science out there. Mm-hmm. There's still science to be developed and explored regarding these things. Yeah, but even some of the highest minds are just kind of tinkering with dimensions. Mm-hmm. And, Time overlaps or tears in the fabric of time type of thing. Yeah, That's Ryan's, why like, <clears throat> he's always pondering that stuff. You know, his his mind just never stops thinking about that kind of stuff. Well, that's that's one of the things. I was talking to him about this, and because God knows that more uh, cis het men should be discussing transgender people. Uh huh. Yeah. That's what that's what they need more of. Mm-hmm. They definitely need more of our opinions. <laughs> but I was truly thinking about it because, you, you know, sometimes you got to listen to the arguments people have against something to see if you can dismantle them or break up problems. Like, I just – I think, first off, just from a moral standpoint, it's not, it's not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not hurting anybody. No. Uh, 
I, if I'm being totally honest, I, I'm curious about like doing the hormone blockers to a to a kid. But I'm not educated enough to know why that one mm-hmm. sounds like I you know changing anybody like when they're eight years old, giving them medicine to change the outcome of their life. That one's all right. That one's out. I need to be educated mm-hmm. more on that because that yeah. one seems a little scary to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where it's like, okay, you know, people criticizing that. Like I do agree. When I was eight, you know, what what everybody wanted to be all kinds of shit when they were eight. Yeah. And you're very you're, and you're very influenced at that age, mm-hmm. or impressionable. But I like the way like we're gonna have like biomechanical inserts in our body. I mean, you think about what people are already doing with prosthesis and <clears throat> cochlear implants and <clears throat> shit, LASIK surgery, things to fix stuff that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And what happens when you? go past that like oh it's not something wrong i now want to augment myself with technology Uh like do we not think that in 500 years shit 100 years that that's how people are gonna have like you can put you can get like a i'm pretty sure i saw somewhere where you could already do like a pay like how you can do apple pay from your phone Uh uh-huh they can put something like that like in your fingertip Really? So you'll never have to use have a wallet. You're like, I, I, maybe I'm tired. I'm pretty sure I saw. I don't know if it's happening now or it's like one of these theoretical soon to be things. But mm-hmm. I think think about just that. I saw like, oh, it's been 15 years since the iPhone came out. Think about 15 years. What we're doing yeah. with that? Yeah. With Bluetooth headphones and all this kind of stuff. And I think transgender. Like I think that's just part of the future. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of determining your own being in this world. Mm-hmm. And it's just people are just hung up on it because it's something new and it scares the status quo. Mm-hmm. But I think that's I think that's the advancement of humankind is being t- able to determine these own things about yourself yeah. and change them at your own will. That's, and that's my, hey, that's my theory on it. You know, I'm not trying to not trying to kiss anybody's ass over these ideas. I just think like that's like if we're thinking about like futurism and like where's the human race going to be uh-huh. in however many years you want to what number you want to put on it. That's I, that's how I'd look at transgender. It's like oh yeah, just these things can we you know that's 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 advancement of the human race. Do you have any aftermarket modifications of your own that you would let's say that technology was just immediately available tomorrow then mm-hmm. whatever we're hypothesizing on these hypotheticals if you could if you could go and get something done like that tomorrow I'm trying to think what I might want fatal hog <laughs> But no, no, I no, I th- well, I mean, I, I did get LASIK. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, you could argue that the lap band surgery is kind of would that fall under that umbrella? Well, people are, or is that just simply medical? I think it's medical. I think LASIK's mm-hmm. medical. You're using technology to do a medical procedure, but like, mm-hmm. what would you have in yourself? That's yeah, tech. Um, 
I wonder if we're ever going to reach the point where science can figure out how to make people taller. I can see that being very desired. Well, sure, but that's one of those things, like, once everybody starts trying to look like the standard of beauty, then that doesn't... Mm -hmm. How is that considered beautiful anymore? Yeah. What's... uh, and again, like, and of course, this all goes into like it always goes back to furries. Like, yeah, I think it's weird, but I don't. Whatever, man. Mm-hmm. Just because I think it's weird doesn't mean I think it's wrong. What about this? Okay, you can, uh, you know, you can already go like, "Hey Siri, talk to your phone." You know, you can already take a message with your own voice and send it to a text, and somebody's already got their AirPods in somewhere else that you sent that text to. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's. I'm trying to get at like how this could connect to like telekinesis. Okay. Like, how could you communicate? Because eventually, I think you're going to be able to. Not, well, I mean, because that would mean okay. Can you think? Can you think the? Can you somehow translate your thought into text without using your voice or your or your hands? You know. I think. I mean, that Neuralink thing that Musk was talking about i don't has he have they started that i don't know we, we did a whole episode of that all, out several there years ago dick wet and screwing everything up <laughs> but uh that was kind of the point of the Neuralink thing was they insert this chip in you and you can do transactions just through telekinesis brain computer interface could cure tinnitus i've got that already what exactly can a Neuralink do uh, brain. It's just brain machine interfaces. That's what they're doing. These devices have use have use cases ranging from treating Parkinson's disease and restoring bodily function in paralyzed patients to control computers with your thoughts and communicating telepathically <laughs> with other users. All right, well, fuck me. That's already the plan for it. Okay, never mind. It's out there already. So that shit's out there already. Telekinesis <laughs> is already on the table. Jeez. Yeah, it's insane to think about where we're going to be in 20, 30 years. Well, I was thinking about revisiting this idea, uh, not today because I'm not prepared, but several years ago we did a, a, top, a whole episode on the singularity. Yeah. And part of that concept is the fact that they – I don't know how they determine this, but uh, they think that technology uh, doubles itself every two years, something like that. So, I mean – that was five years ago that we talked oh, it about was, that. Yeah, it's like that Moore's law that it always mm-hmm. like it exponentially advances. Yeah, yeah, Moore's law. That's I think law. that's what. Yeah, it took so, so it took so long. Listen, somebody smarter is going to go on to Boogie Monster mm-hmm. Reddit and correct me here. But it's, yeah, it took it took X amount of years from mankind to like figure out how to farm to get to the uh, whichever revolution, agricultural revolution to. Industrial Revolution. It took half that amount of time to get from there to the next one, and so on and so on. Yeah. Um, speaking of technology, there's a, a fart pedal for guitar I've been looking at. <laughs> <laughs> of yeah. course you have. Oh, my God. I mean, hey, it's no Neuralink. All right? It's no, what does the uh, fart pedal do? I mean, it's no, I understand. Uh, telekinesis para beats headphones. Uh, no, you just uh, plug it in and you play a note, but it's the notes of fart. But then can you play that farted note and that's turn the, it that's into the some problem with, beautiful that's fart? That's the problem with the technology right now. Uh-huh. 
Is that right now it just makes random fart sounds. They can match it. tone and pitch. <laughs> then I'm going to spend yeah. money on this thing. I mean, that could be like the new distortion. Which is, I bet you that's exactly when somebody first played distorted guitar, some old jazz guitar, like, sounds like a bucket of farts to me. <laughs> and that goes back to the jazz joke I made earlier. <laughs> That's called the singularity, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's the best podcast that ever existed. Oh, Jesus. A fucking (laughs) fart pedal. Suck my dick, NPR. (laughs) Man, speaking of uh, futuristic shit I don't understand, (laughs) I have been slogging through severance i'm finally oh, really? i haven't fin- i got one episode left it's one of those shows in my opinion it's the big picture whatever they're going to reveal hopefully in this final episode i i get that they're building up to something that's probably pretty interesting but it they just are. felt like I'm it felt like one right of those shows are. really okay yeah. it just felt like they could have done this in a movie this felt like it should have been 90 minutes instead of a 8 9 episode series mm. like it's just like it's been so slow and i don't know if it's that adam scott bores the shit out of me or man. what but like and i and i i want to like it but man it's it's been the most exhausting uh series i think i've ever like in terms of like oh god is this still going like get to the good part it's gonna I, pay off though it's a. I think it did. I think it's. Okay. A, I think it's a. It's, it's my, not you know bingeable. I, I I don't know how anybody could sit and binge that in, in one or two settings. Like, just fucking. It's a. Ugh. It's a slow. It's a slow burner for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't so, mind a slow burn, but it, hopefully there's a payoff. I thought there was. Okay. It it, it did set up like as weird, but then as you're getting through it. You're like, oh, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Oh, curious. But there, I had to like go. I had to rewind a few times because it was one of those like, oh, that that detail. This what I'm watching now made sense because they dropped a detail before that I wasn't paying attention. It's not like a, I'm going to look at my phone while I'm watching this kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. So, deserve. Yeah, I'm gonna probably finish that tonight after I take a nap and have some caffeine. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do I like all the actors, though. I mean, I love John Turturro. I love that dude. I don't know his name, but one of the main workers, the um, the chubby guy with glasses. That oh yeah, funny. I like that. Dude. He was yeah. in uh, Pete Holmes' show, whatever that was, Crashing. He played He's his in manager. <laughs> oh, is he in Succession? He was for a brief moment. Him. He was where uh, Culkin's character goes to roller coaster school. Man, I don't remember that one. Remember they sent him off to like the amusement park management training? Oh, right, right, and right, it was right. Like his, yes. It was like his lab partner or whatever there. <laughs> that guy just plays like the perfect like deadpan, like, huh? Yeah. Like, he's <laughs> like, I'm smart. I could do it. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. I liked it. I think it's a good one, but yeah, it takes a little while. Okay. You want to talk about topic? Gonna... You want to do topic, Dave? 
Man, you know what else I've been watching all damn weekend? I okay, we don't have to do a topic. Stumbled. No, this is the topic. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. I was like, <laughs> man, you just steamrolled right over my head. No, I was, I was taking hey, your lead there. Hey, fuck I, me for trying to get to the point of the show. <laughs> I, watched a, I watched a documentary this weekend. It was so good, I watched it twice. And it wasn't a documentary. It was a documentary series. It was like six episodes. Mowed through it on one day. Enjoyed it so much, I sat down the next day and watched it again. Um, and we don't do a lot of true crime on this show, because mm-hmm. Lord knows there's uh, an oversaturation of that topic. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't sometimes fascinated by serial killers. I mean, it's an easy... It's it's obviously... There's the moral conflict that, you know, it's one of the most horrible things that humanity's ever experienced, but at the same time, pretty intriguing. But, but that's that's why. That's, you know... Mm-hmm. For as much as that, uh, you know, we can get mad at all the white women loving uh, loving a serial killer, not mm-hmm. get mad, but critical of them. How many people just watch the History Channel World War II Hitler shit every day? So, exactly. Yeah. Um, also, I just want to point out, so you watched six episodes of a show about a serial killer <laughs> and then did the same thing the next day. Yeah. Yeah. It's very serial. It's very serial of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's in it, in itself that's a little bit uh mm-hmm. <laughs> okay and i got better at it the second time and i, took, I learned from my I mistakes took notes uh-huh took notes uh it's on hulu it's not brand new i think it came out last year a documentary series called city of angels city okay. of death there's no comma oh. but it's just city of angels city of death and yeah. it's all about uh the now there's been so many different serial killers in Los Angeles, uh, some that we know of, some that we don't, um, but it only focuses on a brief period. It's it's all the serial killing that was going on in L.A. or Southern California uh, in the late 70s and early 80s. Oh, so Golden age, if you will. Golden age, but this predates uh, probably the most infamous L.A. serial killer, um, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, uh, mm. wasn't even in this. I mean, this tells you how much... What a f- body of work they had to choose from that they didn't even dip into his career. But um, some of these I knew about. Some of them I had no idea. But a few that I just wanted to kind of focus on today. Um, I mean, it was really well done. Like, and, and I'm not like a – I love documentaries, and, and I like movies. But like I've said before, I'm not smart enough to tell you why. Like, I don't know what makes this good and that bad. I just, oh, I like that, and I don't like that. But mm-hmm. – uh, Man, this was so well, I, I guess, paced. Like, just the way it was paced and just... They, they would... Like a lot of documentaries are doing now, they, they had multiple storylines going on kind of at the same time. They'd jump around, and then they'd, the timelines would jump around. But I think uh, just because, obviously, the fact that it was focused on L.A. made it a little more intriguing to me because uh, it, the more I research some of these cases, it's like, oh, for example... Well, I'll save this, but there's, I, I just can't help but like sometimes be intrigued by like, oh, right there in that parking lot's where a horrible thing went down, and yeah. I drive by that every single day. Yeah, you know? I, I, uh, I agree. It's it's. I don't think it's morose. I mean, I do think like it's like, oh, it makes it real. It makes it like, oh, this is a thing that can happen. Yeah, exactly. But we've also talked about like the concept of using other people's tragedy is like your own amusement. Um, I think, uh, yeah, is it, but is it amusement or is it just 
what a fact to make you think about your own life. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. it makes you appreciate your, you know, your life a little bit more. You're like, oh, maybe I'm not going to be in such a pissy mood today. Yeah. Because I could, uh, somebody got thrown in a trunk right over there once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a few, they, they, they talk about probably five or six different, uh, serial killers. Uh, some I never even heard of, but I'll, I'll go through a few. Uh, I was aware of these guys. Um, well, actually, that's incorrect. I was aware of what I thought was this guy. I'd heard of the Hillside Strangler. I didn't realize it was two dudes. It was two guys. Uh, the Hillside Stranglings, that. that they were going down um, in 77 and 78. These two cousins, these two dickheads, Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Buono, and by the way, this Angelo Buono, if they ever do, uh, I know they've done a few movies on the Hillside Strangler case, but uh, mm. if they ever do a modern version, they need to cast, I never know how to pronounce the guy's name, John uh, Bernthal, is that his name? Um, he's one of those guys you'd know him if you saw him. He was in uh, what's, what's the guy's Wolfram. name? What's the, what's the murder's name? The murder's oh, I'm sending you a pick right now. Angelo. I'm sending you. Angelo Buono. But he looks, I think he looks so similar to John Bernthal. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, this guy's popping up and everything. He's in. John Bernthal. People are yelling at the at the uh, at me right now because I don't know the name of the. He's one of the Marvel characters. He's one of the big Marvel characters. He was in Wolf of Wall Street. He's oh been in a bunch yeah, of shit. yeah, that guy. That yeah. guy just. I'm sure he's a perfectly. He looks like a motherfucker. <laughs> like yeah he looks well, he, like a mean I, dude i watched baby driver on the plane like this guy plays he, he plays such a good mm-hmm. jag off yeah in wolf of wall street he was perfect like if i if I've, i met him in real life i'd be like this asshole like that's how mm-hmm. good like, he's got that face you know yeah but yeah if they ever do uh, another movie he could totally play this angelo buono guy so these two mm-hmm. cousins kenneth bianchi and angelo buono kenneth bianchi i think was around 27 when all this went down and his cousin buono was a little older he was like in his mid 40s and they both the uh, interesting thing about this at least from an angelino's perspective uh this all went down like in my old hood in, in glendale uh la crescenta um, yeah. What, whatever you call the neighborhood around uh, Dodger Stadium. Uh, but these two, this oh, Chavez Ravine. <laughs> this fucking dude. Okay, the personal connection I'm talking about. Um, anyway, I'll get to that. They were convicted of murdering 10 women, um, all in just a matter of a few months, like October 77 through February of 78. So, like four or five months. Uh, 10 women that they know of. And uh, most were murdered, and uh, Buono, he had an upholstery shop in Glendale, right almost at the corner of Glendale Boulevard and Colorado Avenue, 703 East Colorado Avenue. Uh, that's where they, he took all these victims, and they would kill them there and do all kinds of horrible shit. That place, that exact location, his upholstery store, is now A to Z Auto Service, where I had some work done about five years ago. That's always weird. I'm looking like, oh, right shit. Now. I didn't know it at the time, but, like, the place I went and got some breaks is the place where dozens of women were brutally raped and murdered. So it's always weird when it hits home like that. But, uh, yeah, they they, they, <laughs> they kidnap these women. and they Got some just, breaks oh. done at that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would uh, they'd murder him in his uh, his upholstery store there, and then they dump him, hence the name, on the hillsides around uh, Glendale and La Cañada, La Crescenta, all around that area. And they would uh, 
what made them so hard to catch is the fact that they murdered him one place and then dumped him somewhere else where there's technically where when they found the bodies there's no crime scene because the crime was mm. committed elsewhere so uh, obviously that makes it harder for them to, to find but uh yeah just a couple of real real rascals just some real shitheads and uh this is interesting too in november 77 they uh abducted this gal named Catherine uh lori baker it's 24 year old gal uh they had her tied up. They were going through her personal possessions, going through her purse. They found a photograph of her with uh, this actor, this old Hollywood star, Peter Lorre. I've never seen it, but I guess he was a... He, ironically, he played Peter a Lurie, serial yeah. killer. I'd heard that name, but I, I don't know any of his stuff. But he played a serial exactly. killer in a movie called M, just the letter M. But they saw this picture and like, oh, shit, that's in... And they had her ID, and they saw that her, her name was Lori, and they're like, oh, shit, that must be his daughter or granddaughter. And they let her go simply because they thought that killing uh, a daughter of a celebrity would would uh, oh. increase the police activity, you know, make uh, the police step it up a notch. So they, they let her go. Is it weird that, like, you, when's the last time you heard of just a murder? In the news, well, I take, every I take, fucking I take, day in L.A. But like, like just, but like just a murder. You mean not a serial killer or not a? But like not like police brutality or, or mm-hmm. mass violence or mass shoot. But like a, like a murder. Like oh, we, I, I take that back. If it's a white woman, it'll be in the news. Yeah, they definitely got uh, what was the the van couple from last summer? Oh yeah. Yeah, I forgot yeah. their names. I take it back. That was the uh, a white woman will get in the news if she's murdered. But it's like, <laughs> like, it's like they, do they just think like, oh, you know what? Podcasts have this covered. The news, yeah, maybe we got we got we got other. There's everything else is so bad. We don't have time for these individual murders. Or maybe it just makes the local news. Because see, I watch the local LA news here just to oh, keep okay. up, and it, there's just it's insane. How much shit goes on every That's fucking true. I day? I don't watch. I don't pay attention to like local local news mm-hmm. unless you. Yeah, I don't the watch store app. I don't watch the news. Like sit down and watch it on cable, but uh, on YouTube there's a section for news, and then within that's a subset of local news, and just has all the clips of the day okay. from the LA newscast. Yeah, but uh, these two fucking peckerheads just just real <laughs> animals, and just. I mean, could you imagine though? Like seriously, like the, the terrorizing a whole city. And this is the other thing they were talking about was how some of these cases, the timelines overlapped. So there was, there were times in the late seventies, early eighties, where in one city you had four or five active serial killers. They were they were talking about um, what if they ever run was, into each other? Like, oh, you're doing this one? <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. This they did. How they, uh, so these guys are cousins. Yeah, that's even weirder. That like I got a very dark secret to admit. I'm a, mm-hmm. a serial killer. Like what? Me too. Like, Me too. Kind of. That's what a uh, fucking weird Thanksgiving smoking a cigarette out in the garage that was. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, they finally uh, they finally caught these bastards because uh, Bianchi went back. He went uh, to Washington State for a little while to lay low, and uh, wound up killing a couple ladies up there. <laughs> so and, much uh, for laying low. Yeah, exactly. 
And, oh, um, and then they arrested him, tied him to all these murders, and then uh, he rolled over on his cousin there. And, uh, man, oh, just, just shitheads, dude. Um, but while they were investigating these murders, they interviewed uh, a bunch of different sex offenders, which is pretty common. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, there's, you know, Foul play, you know, also involving a sex crime. Let's let's yeah. uh, see where all our registered sex offenders were on that evening. They interviewed this one dude named Rodney Alcala, Alcala, A L C L A L C A L A, Alcala. Um, he was a registered sex offender. They interviewed him. Fortunately, he had an al- alibi and uh, wasn't who they were looking for on this His particular alibi case. Alibi was he was out sex offending. Yeah, exactly. This motherfucker. I I never heard of this guy. His moniker was the dating game killer. This Rodney Alcala. He oh. appeared on the yeah. fucking dating game in 1978, and while he was on the show, they're pretty sure that he had already murdered at least eight different women. That's crazy. Just on a national TV show, and by that's, the way, I'm a, I'm a fucking murderer that you're not aware of yet. That's some real Chuck Yeager ambition mm-hmm. of like... We need a we need a, a maniac to to f- break the sound barrier, but you yeah, it's a it's the most risk you'll ever take. Like I'll go for it. Mm-hmm. Like now I've already killed some women. I'm gonna go on TV and win one. Yeah, well, and he did. He won that episode, and he won a date with the contestant. I think her name was Cheryl Bradshaw. Fortunately, this lady had the wherewithal and the instincts. After meeting him for just a few minutes. She went and told the producers, yeah, I'm not going on a date with this guy. He's a fucking creep. And they were like, Good okay. for her. Yeah. So she was like, immediately was like, nah, not doing that. And it's weird, too. when like They, they showed video of, of that episode and just, he's just got, I, I guess maybe the fact that I already knew that that was the guy, maybe in the moment people didn't realize it, but like he just had mm. a very creepy vibe to him. Like, just real creepy. What about the self-esteem of the guys who didn't win the date? <laughs> <laughs> what about, what yeah, about I got beat by a, by a murderer? Oh, he had the man. charm. In the moment, he had the charm. But yeah, and so his uh, his ruse, what he he would tell people that he was a photographer. Even on that episode, they just, they uh, introduce him as a successful photographer, and uh, they authorities later found over a thousand photographs of women and teenage girls, mostly in uh, sexually explicit poses. So. Um, don't know how many of those different folks were actually victims, but get this. So yeah. in 68, this is 10 years before the dating game show. In 68, this asshole, he abducted and raped an eight-year-old girl. Uh, a good Samaritan saw the abduction. Yeah. A good Samaritan saw the abduction, followed him to his apartment, called the police. The police knock on the door. Dude shows up at the door naked, says he just got out of the shower. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. Give me a second. He shuts the door, waits a few seconds. Eventually, the cop has had enough. He kicks in the door to find the eight-year-old girl just bloody and beaten and laying there. Fortunately, she survived. But while the cop was uh, uh, helping the, the girl, this dude got away. Uh, they finally 
this long story short, they serial killer stuff. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's not an uplifting episode, but get that this is what fucking kills me. And there's so many examples of this kind of shit. But they finally catch this dude and charge him uh, with the, with the rape and kidnapping of this eight year old girl. But because uh, the the victim's family uh, had since moved to Mexico and they they wanted to keep their their daughter out of any of the court stuff. Um, they couldn't bring her back up to testify, so they had to drop the murder and the or not murder. I'm sorry, the attempted murder and the rape charges, and they got him for uh, just child molestation. Served three years of prison, got out immediately, started doing that shit again. He was paroled in '74. He was out for less than two years when he uh, back to his uh, back to his old tricks and uh, just numerous. They think they I think they uh, what do they say here they. They convicted him of eight murders. They think it could be as high as 50. That's the other thing. Like, you know, you got caught for eight murders. How many? But, yeah, they, they seriously implied, like, yeah, we think it's closer to 50. This fart pedal's like 400 bucks on it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty steep. Yeah, I think they only made a few of them. I think it's pretty rare. I don't know if I'm going to bid on it or not. I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. The the kid murders, man. Okay, I got one more for you. All right, no kids. Well, fortunately, that girl didn't die, so not technically. Is it? Here's some. I I had no idea about these assholes. You ever heard of the Sunset Strip killers? Uh, No. Talk about hitting close to home. My neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, Sunset Strip killers was this. Couple, it was, it was a male female couple. This guy named Doug Clark, woman named Carol Bundy. They met at the Little Nashville bar in North Hollywood. They were both kind of uh, bar flies hanging out. Uh, they started dating. Um, apparently, one of Clark's habits was he liked to go out and pick up sex workers and other women and bring them home to Carol Bundy so they could have threesomes. And then they implied that most of the time the threesome turned into a twosome because he would lock Carol out of the bedroom. And uh, apparently a lot of these early uh, encounters were all consensual. Then eventually he told Bundy that he wanted to graduate from threesomes to necrophilia. So eventually I feel like he started there's so picking much up. more before that. Yeah, there, that's, that's quite the, a I jump. I don't think that's the routing of... <laughs> it's a hell of a jump. So, yeah, long story short, he, he would pick up sex, sex workers, uh, and then she, Carol, would be sitting in the back seat. And then while dude's getting a beecher, either Carol and sometimes himself would, would shoot him in the head, and then he'd take them back to this rented garage in Burbank and explore his new hobby. And then uh, this this first set of gals he grabbed, uh, he dumped them right on the on-ramp to the Ventura Freeway. What's that, the 134 right there in, mm-hmm. uh, in Burbank? So this was interesting about this case, though. Uh, the, the gal, Carol Bundy, they were an odd couple, to say the least, but, like, she was a weird gal. They, they described her as, like, being very friendly and very upbeat and positive, and I guess eventually the guilt got to her. So she called the police, and they have the audio of this, the actual phone call. It's pretty interesting. Uh, She just calls 911. It's like, hey, um, y'all still looking for the 
killer who killed the mm-hmm. sex workers, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, um, and then the way she phrased it, she's like, well, I have a lot of knowledge about that case. Would you like to have your man today? I mean, like, would you, would you like if we, you know, if you found him today? And they're like, what? Serve him up. Like, yeah, she's going to serve him up. So she rolled over on him. Uh, that's how they finally uh, caught up. Oh, but, yeah, there's so many more details. Uh, he would decapitate some of them. Uh, he took decapitated one poor gal. <laughs> and then, like, a few days later, they, they put the head in a little, like, custom little wooden box and just dropped in an alleyway in Studio City. Some poor a bastard. Custom wooden box? Well, like like a little like a treasure chest type box, like something handmade that, you know, an intricate little wooden box, not just some shoe box or something. And uh, put her head in there and dropped it in an alley. Of course, some poor bastard found that, called the police. But uh, yeah, man, just a couple of real fucking creeps. Um, yeah, I had no idea. Right. Oh, but yeah, they call them Sunset Strip Killers because uh, most of the victims were uh, sex workers that they'd pick up right here on the Sunset Strip. <clears throat> yeah, it used to be a... What was the burger place that was there that was the big one? It was a... Uh, it wasn't a hamburger. It's a Chipotle now, but it was some like famous burger stand. Oh, really? They were all at, yeah. Hmm. That's where you could always... Hung out there long enough, you'd always see some celebrity grabbing... Mm-hmm. Some ta- some to go. Uh, Clark is still on death row. Uh, Bundy died of a heart attack in 03. Uh One last one. Uh, I'd never heard of this dude either. The Freeway Killer, this asshole named Bill Bonin. This dude confessed to 21 murders, most of teenage boys. This was uh, 78, 79. The weird thing about him is they believe, or I think they convicted several, but he had Four different accomplices. Not going to lie, that dude, was, I'm looking at cat videos right now. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I'm going to keep talking about this stuff. Four different accomplices. So, like, not all together. Like, he was always just, just two guys. That was kind of a running theme in this documentary, especially with this case and the Hillside Strangler and the Bundy, uh, or the uh, Sunset Killers, was it was weird that all three of these cases involved duos or teams, teams working together. And uh, which is uh, apparently pretty rare because serial killing is kind of a solo venture usually. But yeah, this uh, the freeway killer, uh, 21 murders that he confessed to, four different accomplices. Uh, this is interesting too. On this episode, if you're watching the series, I think it's the second to last episode. I think it's episode five where they talk about this guy. Um, he had one survivor. He had uh, he'd picked up this like 15-year-old boy, uh, Kind of near uh, Long Beach. What's that little town just north of Long Beach? Westminster, I think. Um, picked up a 15-year-old boy. It was back when everybody was hitchhiking, so it wasn't a big deal. Everybody hitchhiked. Picked up a hitchhiker. Man, I, wish, I wish you could hitchhike again. I would love to do that. I, that'd be great. But this uh, this survivor, this is kind of sad. Um, Katie was telling me about this, about certain people who experience extreme trauma like, for example, this guy experienced, he got raped uh, by this freeway killer, and uh, the guy let him go for some reason. He just let him go. Um, but this poor kid, 15 years old, gets picked up, raped. The guy, they interviewed the survivor, this kid. He's now about 60. I did the math. I think he's 60 or 61. But my point is, uh, apparently, some people who experience extreme trauma they are often kind of frozen in time at that age 
for the rest of their life in terms of not necessarily their mental development sometime, but just what I'm trying to say is this 60-year-old man, I've never seen anything like it. He speaks like a 15-year-old. If you close your eyes, it sounds like a 15-year-old kid's talking. And I've ne- and, and to put the voice to the face, like he's a 60-year-old man. He looks like a 60-year-old man, but seriously, his voice... And I'm wondering if it's a case of that where he's just, he was just trapped, frozen in time in that trauma, and it manifests in his voice and body language or whatever. But it was really bizarre. I'm 45, and uh, <clears throat> I found a fart pedal on Reverb. It's only <laughs> it's only 250. <laughs> this one's only 250. It's version two, so I wonder if they have a pitch and intonation probably uh, figured out with it. So mm-hmm. I didn't go through any trauma. I just Want to talk about his fart pedal more than rape? A hundred percent of the time, that that feel feel good episode right here. Well, you know, yeah, lock it down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so head on a swivel out there, folks. I do, I do, I do listen and like watch those things. Mm-hmm. I just read it. Oh man, it's like I don't. I, I try to make the jokes about it, and it's like ah, I don't feel good about myself. No. Like if it's no, if, it, if, if you're going to make jokes about it and I don't feel good or it should be researched well enough and give people information. I'm like, I don't have mm-hmm. ghouls and goblins and hairy ape men, UFOs. I was reading this New York Post article, uh, this author, one of the guys that kind of helped uh, find the uh, Golden State Killer, Paul Holes. It's an unfortunate mm-hmm. name. He thinks that there's as many as 2,000 active serial killers in America alone right now going That's undetected. What I'm like, how do you... 2,000. And, no, and they're not getting the press anymore. Mm-mm. He says a lot of these modern serial killers, they think, are targeting uh, opioid users and uh, heroin users and um, because those kind of folks can kind of drop off the grid for a while and it not yeah. really ring any bells to their friends and family. And also, they talk about how some of these uh, overdoses could be the work of a serial killer when you find someone who's strung out and, you know, doing what heroin users do. Yeah. But, uh, they, they're, <clears throat> it's easy pickings. And you can, That's uh, what I mean. What, what yeah. cowards. What cowards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, all I'm these a, fuckers. I'm a, all I'm these fuckers a, are cowards. I'm a murderer, but I go for the easiest targets. Mm-hmm. You fucking chicken shits. Yeah. Yes, fucking freeway killers, just all teenage boys. Just little kids, teenagers. Cowards. Yeah. That, I was thinking about that when I was watching it, because when I was a kid, you know, you'd hear stuff like this, and, you know, we're all afraid of, like, you know, the, you know just killers and whomever and oh it's so scary and now as an adult i'm like i wish i'd run into this motherfucker i will i'll fucking oh i wish i could have hit you no, don't, don't get me wrong i Bill still don't want to run i still don't want to run into him i wouldn't mind it all just little fucking but, but that's ugh. what i mean there's no serial killers that like oh man a, a rash of college football players have been mm-hmm. murdered yeah exactly exactly yeah, I realize I'm just announcing here, like, oh, I dare you, serial killers, come and get me. <laughs> mm. Yeah. All right. All well, cowards. that was uh, that was something. Yeah. Just all these killers. Something to lift your spirits today, bud. Yeah. Well, I got a I got a bit on this <laughs> fart pedal. 
Well, hell yeah, man. So, all right, man. <laughs> what you got? Where, where are you at this weekend? I'm uh, I'm uh, excited. I'm a uh, Bloomington Comedy Attic. Hell yeah. One of the best clubs. Excited to be there. Good times, buddy. Yeah, what about you? What you got going on? Uh, nothing this week. A uh, couple weeks, you could catch me and Ryan Singer. Speaking of which, we're combining our stupid powers. And uh, <laughs> we'll be at uh, Go Bananas in Cincinnati. Uh, when is that? Uh, 18th through the 21st of August. 23rd of August, we'll be in Philly at Helium. 24th, we'll be in Buffalo at Helium. And uh, we're working on some other dates, but uh, not holding my breath with some of this DIY booking. But uh, we're trying to get out there. So, yeah, man. <laughs> not holding my breath. Really selling it. Yeah. Not holding my breath on some of this booking. Yeah, these fucking idiots that supposedly book shows can't even return emails. But that's inside stuff for me to complain about on my own time. Well, you deserve to get out there. Where are you doing a show tonight? I know it doesn't do anything for the listeners, but I like where where are you going local? Pasadena. Little old lady. Okay. Pasadena. Uh, Taco stand, Mexican restaurant. I forgot the name of it. Hey, man. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. The best fish taco show in Los Feliz is one of the best shows in LA. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Get out there and sling these jokes. Well, let's get at it. I gotta. Do, we're doing burger night. I gotta go slice and chop some things. Burger night, right on, buddy. Yeah, man. You know, I'm having fake ones, but mm-hmm. doesn't Still. mean the fixins can't be good. Mm-hmm. That's true. The bun, the cheese, the fixins. Know, it's, like, it's like hot dogs. You know, it's like well, mm-hmm. Chicago dog. It doesn't like that's one part of it. It's all the other stuff that makes it good too. So, what kind of bun are you using? I don't know. Rachel got all the stuff, so I don't know what's going on in there. I gotta go in there find out. Get you a good brioche. I think it's or, or, uh, pot- I think potato got pota- bun. Pot- I think I think it's potato buns. Those are good. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna do that. I got a booster shot. Gonna wait to see if uh, I feel like dog shit in a few hours. See what happens. Oh, I kicked my ass uh, it, almost to the minute. Twelve hours after I got it, I got it at uh, noon one day, and I felt great all day. And around midnight, just hit me like a ton of bricks. So. 12 hours. All right. Well, mm-hmm. four in the morning is going to be a good time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Uh, stay safe out there. Don't, hey, uh, thanks, don't, get, man. don't get in anybody's van. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I shouldn't have taunted all those serial killers like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. Maybe, hey, maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe you'll hear from us next week. Boogers. Maybe I'll catch a serial killer trying to steal my catalytic converter. That'll be nice. That's how you motivate it. And I think mm-hmm. uh, I think he's got a I think he's got a sock full of strangers' teeth. He's well, also a thief. <laughs> to murder's one thing, but don't steal car parts. This guy's just got no class. Mm-mm. All right, All right buddy. buddy. Be good. Thanks for listening, everybody. The Boogie Monster.
<clears throat> a podcast network.